Hello. Hi. 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 Hello. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious about building open, authentic, loving relationship. I'm curious about jealousy. I'm curious about polyamory. Does it just mean that you're fucking all the time? How can I tell my parents that my partner is already married? I'm curious about... How do you know when you're too busy to have another relationship? I'm curious about dominant and subordinate relationships. I'm curious about sexual health. How can relationships relationships evolve with people as they grow and change? After this, I'm going rollerblading with three uh, girls that I've helped raise that they're six years old, two twins and their younger sibling. And we're all going to rollerblade together. So I'm very excited. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Mine is in the other room doing a mix of schoolwork and then I'm sure and slime. There's slime is very big. Slime is so popular. Yes. And then we'll go out later today after work. We'll we'll go out or hang out. I think most adults would benefit from slime play. Hi, welcome to the Curious Fox podcast. This podcast is for those who challenge the status quo in love, sex, and relationships. My name is Effie Blue. And I'm Jacqueline Misla. And in this episode, we're talking with the dynamic and insightful Jesse Fresh about how to develop a language and deeper understanding for our sexual pleasure. Jesse's a certified sex and relationship coach who helps women and couples create deep, intimate connections so that they can experience mind-blowing sexual pleasure that they so deeply crave. Using a unique technique to help her clients understand their deep sexual desires, she coaches them to experience intimacy and closeness where there are no limits on time, space, and love. She provides tools, techniques, and skills that lead to sexual empowerment, which ultimately manifests into confidence in all areas of her client's life. And like the Curious Fox team, Jessie's on a mission to end the unnecessary suffering that too many people endure because of the shame and guilt that they feel about sex. We are so happy to be speaking to her today. Hi, Hi Jesse. Oh my gosh. I could listen to both of you talk for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being here. We love talking about pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. I, it's one of my favorite pastimes. Yeah. Particularly yeah. now. I mean, we started this conversation before the podcast talking about the civil unrest that is happening, the emotional mm-hmm. unrest that is happening, all of the mm-hmm. things that are happening just in this kind of global moment Mm -hmm. and how there can be some escape in really looking at joy and finding moments of pleasure and and digging into who we are and and exploring that. And so Effie and I constantly try to do that in our work and with our clients. And I'm really excited to learn from you some more techniques and tools around how to lean into and understand my pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. And before we get there, I'm really curious, Jesse, how did you get into this business? Yeah. Uh, well, I I looked up one day uh, how to female ejaculate. And that was on YouTube, I think 10 years ago, be, right as YouTube was starting. And I found a mentor. And it was the first time that I had ever found information about pleasure that was positive. And I actually fell into um, that person's YouTube hole for like a good five hours and then told every single person I knew. And that's what stemmed this curiosity around pleasure and my pleasure and how, how I could put it in my own hands. Um, literally <laughs> and yeah. that, that just opened up doors and I ended up following that person. Um, that is the, the mentor that I followed Jaya Ma Um, who is a somatic sexologist that I've followed for many years. And after she had found the erotic blueprints, at that point, I was in in the first 
functioning, healthy relationship of my adult life. I had a history of being highly codependent and picking the total hunks that treated me like shit. And I was in a relationship where I finally was attracted to the person that really treated me really well. We had sex that sometimes would be awesome, sometimes would be great, and a lot of times would be like totally missing the mark. And so I felt really frustrated because I was like, wow, I found like, I found someone that was, that treats me well. And now are we incompatible? Like is, is toxicity the thing that I need in order for sex to be hot? And that's not something that I wanted to uh, believe in. And so that's when I leaned into this information even more of like, okay, if, if we're not matching up and if we love each other greatly, uh, then how do we find each other's match in terms of speaking about it? Because we r- ran into so many bumps of me feeling really rejected, both of us feeling rejected, then anger showing up, frustration, anything that intended to be a hot, sexy night that ended up in me like having my fist clenched in bed was a total fail in my mind. And when I run into failure, I tend to try and find the solution. So the erotic blueprints and leaning into pleasure um, was the beginning of that. Wow. Amazing. And I love that you share that because I do think that there is some myth and storytelling around the toxicity equals great sex. And that, Mm -hmm. you know, the, 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 partners that we have that we argue the most with and stuff that that's like that passion then translates into sexual intimacy and that you may have to trade that for stability that when you have Mm -hmm. find someone where there is a healthy loving rapport that over Mm -hmm. time that will become stale and stagnant and you know sex will be bad and so i love the idea of first naming that but then saying actually there are ways and strategies and tools and ways to play that Mm -hmm. that feels fun because sometimes you know we talk about this in terms of the work when you're working on yourself in your in your relationship, it can feel like so much work. And mm-hmm. so being able to find a practice that is work but play, I think is really interesting. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious to find out more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of misunderstanding about passion. Like we think well, <laughs> what we think passion is and what it looks like and um, and how it affects our uh, affects our sex lives and our pleasure, uh, which isn't necess- they're not necessarily all sort of in- they're kind of intertwined, but not the same thing. I'm curious, why do you think why do you think pleasure is so important? Pleasure is so important because it's what helps us live full, fully alive lives. It's what keeps us activated. It, it's what keeps us going. I I know that when I live a life that's deprived of pleasure, my body aches, my mind mm. is tortured. I am more achy in my body. I've had a mystery illness when I was younger that was created by me, I believe, um, from the amount of stress and burnout that I was creating for myself. Mm -hmm. And so that's the direct exposure that I've had to like, okay, if you don't prioritize rest, happiness, um, balance in your life, then you're compromising your health, your stability and your wellness. That's like the deeper end of it. Sure, Mm -hmm. sure. I think to an extent that Pleasure. Now we're talking about this. It's making me. I'm realizing that there's there's definitely a school of thought that um, stigmatizes pleasure as well. And I don't mean just sexual pleasure, but just pleasure in life. That it is somehow indulgence, and it's somehow excess. It's sometimes extra, you know. And you, it's it's selfish, and it's you know, particularly female pleasure. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 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 And if you're seeking your pleasure, you're a, you're a hedonist, and uh, and there's something there's something wrong about that. Um, rather than kind of what I'm hearing you say is, it's like no, it's your life force. Every cell in your body is wired for pleasure, and we deny that often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like the term healthy hedonism. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. That's what yeah. I'm going for. And, yeah, <laughs> part of what you said that's really important too is there, there becomes a disconnect with our bodies as a result of that. Mm-hmm. So what you described mm-hmm. was that some of the, and I had this experience as a young person too, had a lot of like stomach issues. We go to doctor mm-hmm. after doctor, nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong. Now certainly understanding that that was really a manifestation of anxiety. And understanding this disconnect between how we are feeling and how that's manifesting in our body and how we can actually leverage our body to impact our feelings and where we hold tension and all those types of things. And again, I think, and certainly this is broad for all folks with all gender identities, but I think those who are identified as women or who who identify and show up in the world as female, there's an extra set of pressure, societal pressure around our bodies and around legislating our pleasure and so to your point, being able to connect those things and be in ourselves and actually enjoy ourselves harder sometimes, I think, then. So it, give me a sense of that. Like, what do you think is getting in the way of, of, of pleasure, of sex, of great sex? Well, like you had just said, the first of all, the relationship that we have with our body, which I have plenty of clients that are like, you want me to tell you what sensations I feel in my body? I don't know what you're talking about. So even mm-hmm. cultivating that relationship with like, what am I actually feeling can be really difficult. That's something that I had to learn as a young adult. It's something that after that illness, I was at, to overcome that illness, I had to really listen. And so listening mm-hmm. was part of that. Listening to what, what I'm feeling mentally, physically, emotionally, acknowledging it because I was so used to completely denying my feelings, my thoughts anything that was going on in my body. And I think that's something that that in our culture we're taught to, well, I grew up in Southern California and definitely the mentality there is like, you need to work and keep up with the Joneses. And I'm sure in New York, it's very similar that you push aside your needs to like keep up. And therefore you're not, you're not listening to what your needs are or what your body needs, or it's, it's not possible to keep up with that lifestyle and take care of yourself. For sure. I mean, yeah, keep up with the Joneses or uh, a desire to achieve, like be very achievement focused at any cost. Um, and and also, I think, you know, as women in the workplace, you know, being all about your output, your productivity, your, you know, and, and not not necessarily embodying yourself, embodying your, you know, embodying the body that you're in, embodying your sexuality. Those things are always seen to be either getting in the way mm-hmm. or you manipulating the situation yeah. right? that's in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think definitely culturally, there's a lot of things in the way. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, also personally, I mean, I have, I've definitely disconnected from I had I had been very disconnected from my body due to just my own trauma mm-hmm. um and 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 you know I think when we talk about pleasure we do have to kind of have a side conversation about pleasure about trauma uh cuz that's that's ultimately kind of I find the root of what gets in the way is some sort of trauma um and I didn't realize how disconnected I was from my body until I reconnected mm. and it was like oh there's all this information that I've been ignoring <laughs> pretending it's like white noise that I don't understand mm. um and then once you do that once you get that body m- body mind connection restored and it's something that I still have to work on mm-hmm, of course. um I I can you know I can um 
easily disconnect. And it's kind of where my, where my, because my strongest, I, I believe, I hold on to a belief that my strongest muscle is my brain. So the more stress I'm under, the more things I need to get done, the more I retreat into my brain. Um, and then therefore it reinforces that my brain is my strongest muscle, you know, and I have to take a real, um, make me, I have to make a real effort to like, no, you are more than your brain. You have to connect it with your body. You need to connect with your feelings. You need to put all that information together and then make decisions. Mm. Love that. I love yeah. that. Yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a lifelong, it's a, it's a, it's a <laughs> lifelong practice for sure. Yeah. It's a discipline. Sure. And so we were talking a little bit about what gets in the way. I'm interested now in thinking through some, talking with you about tactics, like, okay, so how do we increase it? How do we increase our own sexual pleasure? How do we do that in, in partnership or in relationship? I'm, I'm interested in, I'm like writing, let me get my, my notepad. Like, <laughs> what are those? What do we do, Jesse? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the beautiful thing is that the, what I'm teaching in the Pleasure Mastery Workshop is the beginning, the foundational work to understanding your pleasure. And, the, and in that there's the five erotic blueprints. So there that's a framework to understand basically your erotic sexual personality type. And mm. each erotic personality type has very specific blocks that show up based on how you are wired in your nervous system for pleasure. Mm-hmm. So for example, if your mind is overactive, um, there are certain things that you can do to lessen your mind chatter. So if, you're, if your blocks are that your mind is continually showing up, we need to focus on relaxation and the things that get you relaxed. So if that means taking a two-hour walk in nature before you have a sexy date with yourself, that's part of the foreplay. Mm-hmm. If part of your history involves trauma, we need to, and that is what blocks you, then we need to create the safety that allows you to feel like everything is taken care of. All of the agreements have been said. Um, everything has been negotiated and my body feels safe. Mm -hmm. Um, if you are, I'm trying to think of other blocks, like if you're orgasm driven, if you're like, we're going to have sex and we're going to orgasm and that hijacks your experience because you're then feeling scripted or feeling like you're just going straight to, uh, the accelerator pedal, Mm -hmm. there's ways in which you can slow down taken the rest of the experience through your senses. Um, that takes a lot of discipline for the people that are orgasm hunters mm-hmm. <laughs> and also just acknowledging before you even begin of like, okay, we have this much time. We have, we live in like a time scarcity, uh, bubble. And when we can acknowledge, like there's plenty of time we can relax into this, we can explore that can really help in terms of the orgasm hunting. Mm. I'm I'm curious the the wiring the way that we're wired for pleasure is this um I'm this is pure nerdy curiosity um is this like uh is this like what we call like character is it a disposition or is this something that develops as a part of you know through a set of experiences do do, do you know it's it's certainly both mm-hmm. I know that for myself I've been all five of the erotic blueprints since I've started this journey seven years ago. So what has shown up for me is that I I recognized where I was at in the moment um, when I first found it. And then as I experience more, as I lean into that pleasure more and give myself more of it, expansion happens. And then I pop into something new and a new experience. So it dep- it can be caused by traumatic experiences. It can be caused by hormonal experiences, um, emotional, physical, everything. So all of those things have influenced 
how I have shifted. Uh Also, for like a tangible example is that when I first began this journey, I was like, I just want caressing. That would really turn me on. Yes, I need the room to be perfect. That's what I need. And that's a specific blueprint. That's the sensual blueprint. They need to be turned on by having their senses ignited. And I said that because that's what I truly believed, but that's not what my body actually wanted. That's the script that I had taken on of what I thought women need. So I would ask my partner, like, give me that. That's what I need. Then I'll be turned on. And they're like, I'm giving you that. And you're not getting turned on. You're actually getting like incredibly picky. You are like completely clenching in your body. You're not listening to your body. So what is that about? And I would get really frustrated because I there was a disconnect. Mm-hmm. And then what I realized when I went to my coach training is they encountered the same thing. I said, I like caressing. I want the mood to be just right. And after about 10 minutes of, of these other coaches testing sensations on me, one of them threw down their clipboard and was like, put your fucking hands above your head right now. Don't you move. And my whole body had a very different experience. It lit up. I was giddy. I was squirmy. I was so excited. It was like, I don't know, like the first day of Christmas kind of feeling, but like <laughs> that, that amount of excitement of just like joy. Uh, and that's when I realized, oh, I had been scripted in what I thought I needed. And now I'm exposed to like psychological kink. And that's what turns me on. Okay. And then leaning into that and seeing what shows up from there. And that has just morphed and morphed and morphed, which is really beautiful because you can then have some kind of influence in your ex- in your erotic expansion. Mm-hmm. For sure. That's interesting because when we talk about this when we have a, a workshop coming up uh, and we knew that we were going to host you um, on the podcast. So it becomes like the topic of conversation around like around the team. And also just because I talk about my work all the time for um, pleasure and uh, maybe annoyance of, of, of all my friends. This <laughs> is kind of all I talk about. Um, but uh, so it was like, people were just like, oh, what is this thing? Like, what is this, you know, blueprint, uh, play, um, the erotic blueprints. And I've been shorthanding it by saying, you know, everybody knows about the love languages. It's essentially the love languages, but for your, for your, your erotic exp- expression. Uh, and it's just finding out how it manifests and how it can be, sh- how it could be received and, and, and shown and shared and and just the thing that i always say about love languages to people as well that it is that you can be multilingual um that you and you know people are always like i'm this i'm like great and you can be other things too you can you can either tap into that frequency or you can learn um and you can grow into and ideally you get to a place where you can receive and show love in all the frequencies all the time in every all all the ways i'm hearing a similar sort of similar thing about the blueprints when I, when I, so you were saying like, you can start from there and you can explore and you can grow and you can learn and you can like, expose yourself and you can find yourself sort of flowing through all five, right? There's five of them. Yeah. One of them is all five. Oh. And so and that, that's like the, uh, epic Holy grail is, is the shapeshifter, uh, where that is your multilingual. You can then speak every single blueprint. You can receive every blueprint and you want to explore it all. You want the variety, creativity. Yeah. You, you are the awesome person at the orgy because you can recognize everyone's needs and fulfill those. And you're able to play for hours. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I not to scare know, anyone. No, <laughs> I was not at all on this <laughs> Jackie, did you do the did you do the quiz? Because shape no, shape 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 shift is what just, I got. I was yeah. just gonna say one of the things that we will definitely include in the show notes is the quiz so that people can yeah. uh, find out. And um and and then certainly if they want to know more, we'll tell you more at the end. But uh, Jesse will be joining us on June eighth, on June tenth, Wednesday, June tenth, um, uh, so that we can explore this some further. But I wanted to, to touch base because in our last episode, we had a conversation with Angie Gunn around attachment styles. And similarly, we had the dialogue around that it's not your Myers-Briggs, it's not your star sign, that these are, we can show up differently depending on our level of growth, depending on which partner we're with, depending on, and it, again, this sounds really similar. And so I'm interested if that's been your experience with folks who have multiple partners, that they may show up with one particular br- blueprint type with one partner and show up with an, in another dynamic, in another with another partner. And so I'm, I'm interested in, in your observation there with your with yourself or with your clients. Mm-hmm. It, it depends. Like there's some people that are very fixed where they feel like, no, I am, I am this, this way. And this is how I am regardless of what uh, partner I'm with. But in, in my experience, I see the relationship phase that you're in. Like if you're in the honeymoon phase, uh, all of your anticipation and longing and waiting is going to be bubbling and therefore that might be fulfilling one of your blueprints. Mm. Like in, in new relationships, I'm really great at having the like strip me of my clothes and let's immediately get down to it uh, because there's all of that is f- fulfilled in terms of what I need of the um, anticipation. But mm. once that phase has gone on, once the honeymoon phase is gone, that's when I still need connection, anticipation, the longing and waiting and creating that when you have that at your fingertips is more difficult. It's a more mysterious because once that's gone, you're like, oh, but I lost the excitement. Mm-hmm. So that can be interesting in relationship phasing. And I think that, of course, everyone's chemistry brings out others' chemistry. So having partners with different blueprints can draw out what's what's longing to come out for you as well. Can we dive into that a little bit? I'm, I'm interested in, in two things that you mentioned there. One is kind of an energetic or maybe stylistic mismatch. Mm-hmm. And that I think could exist either in, in the story that you described with, with yourself and your, your partner around that there was a mismatch or just circumstantial. I know my, my partner and I, the other day, I was like, let's be warm and cozy. And they were like, let's just do the damn thing. <laughs> and like the energy, like we kept trying to slow down speed up and like we couldn't figure out like how to get on the same frequency. Um, so I think that can happen. And so I'm interested in talking about how to regulate the mismatch and also to your point around relationship phases. It is, it is a very sad and mournful day for me when NRE, when new relationship energy ends, like I, I, I'm in my, I'm in my, that's my Christmas morning every day is to have that level. And every partner I'm with is like, it's going to go away. Like, you know, this, ha- this, this has it. And I'm like, no, like, I'm holding on as long as it's possible. But when that phase ends and when that kind of energy and the excitement, all those chemicals go away and it, how do we spice that up? So those are two things I'm interested in exploring with you, kind of the mismatch. And then how do we potentially spice things up? And I'm using air quotes when we've moved out of the, the, the beginning honeymoon period, new relationship energy phase. I'm a strong believer that um, in NRE and when someone tells me when I'm in a honeymoon phase and they're like, oh, you're just in a phase, I'm like, fuck off because I want to live in it forever. Like, don't ruin my bubble. And if if this is the only uh, like Pfizer drug that I'm willing to back is like if they give us a pill for NRE. 
because <laughs> new relationship energy is something that I I think is yeah I'm right behind you, Jesse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's what makes life worth living in my in my mind in relationship. So let's, let's bottle it. Let's bottle it and uh, yeah, I'm, let's bottle it and give it out for free. Tell me how. It's just like a little bit of serotonin, a little bit of dopamine, a lot of oxytocin, uh, a lot of adrenaline, all of those things put together and just put it into a cocktail. Yes. I'm, or a tincture, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> we can make a home- homeopathy uh, NRE. <laughs> uh, okay, so when when there's mismatched desire, mm-hmm. the great thing about the erotic blueprints is that first we practice showing up for ourselves. And by showing up for ourselves in our own needs and desires, it helps us build that resilience and, and become more fed. So if you're if you were to look at like a resource spectrum of your sexuality, um, the way that I look at it is that when you're, when you're fed, you're like in a neutral place, kind of like when you're like, I think of this as being hangry. So when you're hungry, it's like you can eat a meal and you can go a couple of hours, but in a couple of hours, you're going to be hungry again. When you haven't been feeding yourself well for a while, you get hangry. And what shows up is the like, anger, frustration, quick temper, those kinds of things that show up that you're like, oh, I didn't know that this was related to hanger or to to hunger. And then on the other side, say that you're eating fully and having snacks and fully nutrient dense and everything, then you're going to feel like you can go for longer periods of time without nourishment because you're so full, like when you're on a keto diet or something. (laughs) So I tried to look at sexual uh, fulfillment in that way. So if you're looking at your fulfillment, how much are you showing up for yourself so that when you show up to a partner, you're able to then fall into a match a lot easier because you're not needing so much from them to get turned on. You're feeling more resourced, more, more relaxed, more turned on in life. So I guess that's the turn-on spectrum, if I could reverse what I said. The turn-on spectrum is like, how much are you doing to support your turn-on in your life? So uh, like what I had said, uh, it sounds like you you needed some coziness and some like snuggly time and some kind of connection in that way. And um, because that's a need that you have to connect with your partner, maybe look in their eyes, feel the warmth of their skin, and just to really like breathe together. And and that's a need that you have. And your partner is voicing another need of like, okay, I feel connected very quickly. Like, let's get this on and connect in a different way. And for them, th- that's a different kind of blueprint. That's the sexual blueprint where when they're like, let's get into like the the genital touching and the body touching. And that's their need is that they want to feel really validated by exploring the body and having their genitals explored and having that be their like, it's their water, food, uh, nourishment on a basic level. And so say that if you were to voice like, hey, if you were to do the things that you needed, like if you were to be more snuggly in an off time or to have to be like, I need more snuggles like 50% of the time in life to feel like rested, less anxious and um, relaxed. And then therefore I can open up, then that would be really helpful. Another thing that you could do in that moment is that when your partner is like, no, let's just do this is you can be like, okay, but can we snuggle for like another 10 minutes? And I'll like start to meet your needs. Meaning like you'll meet my needs by snuggling a little bit longer and I'll meet your needs by beginning to like stroke your genitals. 
And that way it keeps them engaged. So the question, I'm circling back to the question. The question is like, how do we meet each other's needs when we're like missing the mark with each other? There's different ways that I'm going to teach you in the workshop of like how to meet each other's needs simultaneously, how to negotiate that so that you can show up and both get your needs met and then therefore feel fulfilled and opened up and ready to go when that happens. Mm-hmm. You know what it made me think of, um, Jackie, you, you're talking about us discussing this. One of the things, again, in I think it was An- uh, Angie workshop on, on, the, on the workshop, she talked about, uh, she made a really um, interesting and important distinction about the, how the, your relational dynamics is separate from your sexual dynamics. And, and that, you know, do you remember the tree? She showed us a tree that was wrapped up by ivy versus a tree that was all like multi- um, you know, roots and, and connected to one another. So when I hear you say, when, you, when I hear you describe your experience and knowing a little bit about what's going on, it makes me wonder if your needs in that moment are relational needs or sexual needs. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful point. I was thinking the same thing. You're right. Because I, mm-hmm. I think in that moment, you're trying to meet your relational needs through cuddling and connection Absolutely. and not necessarily your sexual needs. Yeah, I think that's completely true. And, and I, I think now hearing kind of Jesse flesh that out, that that really that became clear to me that I think that that experience that I'm talking about was in a moment where my partner and I were kind of in in conflict, trying to like, we were it, it was like building safe space with each other still. Like there were some things that we were trying to navigate through. And I think for me, it was a relational. I want to feel connected and leveraging sex in order to do that. And for my partner, I think it was trying to avoid the conflict and ignore it and let's just use <laughs> sex to do that. And I think we both yeah. came to the sexual table, if you will, with different intentions mm-hmm. around what we needed because mm-hmm. of the relational uh, mm-hmm. tension that we were experiencing. Yeah. So I think that's completely fair, yeah. Effie. Yeah. And I think I look at them as both sexual. Mm. I look at mm. that, like, even if you need snuggling and connection in a relational way, that's what's going to open the door for you to feel sexual and to feel mm. relaxed. Your partner might be that blueprint that they need to get off in order to feel relaxed. So you're both trying mm. to feel the connection and the relaxation, but one is driven in a very different mm. way. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. It's like you need relaxation as foreplay. They need relaxation as like (laughs) post-orgasm. Sure. But that's such a great point. Love that relational part. But I have to now I have to sit with that. I think that's really true. And I and it's interesting to me because we had a conversation recently with Stella Harris regarding masturbation. And I was thinking about my masturbation journey separate than my sexual, like partner sex journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that I feel that w- what you just described around relaxation post orgasm, if mm-hmm. you will, as my masturbation strategy, <laughs> but not necessarily <laughs> my sexual strategy. And like, so does that mean, so certainly that exists within me, right? That exists within my blueprint type, if you will, but figuring out then how to leverage some of that in this space. And so that's interesting. Really interesting. We also tend to self-pleasure in a very specific blueprint that's not necessarily our own. So Mm. because of uh, either being in a hurry or having this script of that's what masturbation looks like, um, that we most people, when I ask them like, oh, how do you how do you self-pleasure? They'll they'll go, oh, I take a toy out and I put it there. And then I say, oh, is that is that really like what your blueprint would really enjoy? And they're like, no. And then when I ask them, oh, what would what would that enjoy instead? And they're like, well, probably like 90 minutes in the bath. This, I'm speaking from my experience because I have that relationship with masturbation where I go, oh, I really want to like, I really want to 
feel pleasure. I don't even say like, I want to get off. I want to feel pleasure. And so how do I do that? And there's a script that pops in that says, okay, you're going to get out the vibrator and you're going to put that there and you're going to have an orgasm real fast. And my body hates that. Like my body clams up and goes, no, 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 no. And so that's been my relationship to, to masturbation where I will avoid masturbation because I have this like sexual bully going on that's like, we're going to masturbate and we're going to like do it fast. When I actually get to listen to what my needs are, it's like, I'm going to go in the bath for a good 90 minutes so that I can relax. And then I'm going to like put on some music in my room and butter up my body with like cacao butter and stuff that smells like aphrodisiacs. And then I'm going to dance in the mirror and like strip tease for myself and seduce myself. And then I don't know what will happen after that, but maybe there might be some sexual things that happen. And all of that feels sexual to me. But what I'm saying is that often when we self-pleasure, we focus on genitals when really we could play with a lot more elements that really satiate us. I love that. I love that. The other part, again, I just want to keep going down this path about what I love about what's coming up for me around the the blueprint, the erotic blueprint, that how it's actually very much anchored in your erotic experience, right? Because I think, again, going back to all it all being intertwined, like your relational, your needs, your your triggers, all these things are on separate tracks, and they they might run parallel, but they don't run on the same track. And I think um, having an, like having really digging deep and understanding your erotic, the erotic energy, your sexual expression, um, and somewhat, somewhat aside from your relational dynamics and understand like what turns me on regardless of who with in, you know, like how can I turn myself on regardless of anybody else, where I am in a relationship, what kind of a relationship I'm in with whom I'm relating, but it's just about me soaking in my erotic energy and really understanding what it is um, without it getting clouded by other things. And I think one of the things that's really attracting me to this idea of the erotic blueprint. Yes. Yeah, it gives you you all that agency to to have the awareness while you are with a bunch of people in the orgy or while you're by yourself or while you're with a partner. You get to check in really quickly and go, oh, what are my needs right now? Oh, okay, this, 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 and this. And whether that's influenced by someone else or not, that gets to be the play. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The play is when you get to recognize your needs and play with others and see what shows up and be able to communicate that in a way that's simple and easy and fun. Yeah. Um, I just want to add to that. Where would you think this idea of sort of validation through sex, right? Being validated or, or seeking validation through sex. How, how does that fit into the, to the, you know, this model of a blue, the erotic blueprint? Cause it makes me think that th- this is why I like almost like the purity of the idea of erotic blueprint, that it is, it is about your like erotic sort power source um and then we kind of have these things that are attached that we attach to sexuality like looking for validation looking for for a specific type of connection validation of connection validation of self-worth you know um validation of our worth within the relationship right so we like we seem to attach these things to our sexuality that what i'm hearing is is not necessarily attached naturally we kind of do it in 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 our minds right that there so i'm i'm hearing as you say that i'm hearing all of the blueprints are validated by by very specific things mm. so for instance the energetic blueprint is validated by connection the sensual blueprint is validated by um like beauty 
mm-hmm. the sexual blueprint is validated by the the orgasm and and the certainty that shows up in sex. The kinky blueprint is validated by the taboo. Mm-hmm. And the shapeshifter is validated by like the buffet of it all. The the like newness and the discovery. I love that angle. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That's what they're all seeking in sex and that's what they're getting from it. Yeah. And, and what I hear you saying too, Effie, is about, and, and Effie and I are going to be collaborating on June 24th to do a training around know thyself, which based on what you're saying, Jesse, and, and what we know in our work is the foundation for everything, right? Knowing your needs, knowing your desires, knowing the way that you show up in a relationship, having that, that basic knowledge and foundation will certainly support everyone in, in their relationships. Um, but what I also hear you saying then, Effie, is, is that there is being able in the same way that we can partial out potentially a relationship need and a sexual need is understanding why we're showing up to that space. Like, am I, am I looking to be validated as you still care about me? Am I looking to be validated as we are still connected? And I'm trying to leverage sex in order to do that. And that feels like that is layered on top of what we're hearing and what we're learning about in terms of the the erotic blueprints around that there are some needs to be validated for connection or for touch or for beauty or for variety and being able to, to acknowledge that, but also separate out those pieces. What is a need that is healthy and maybe what's a need that's rooted in um, insecurity or an attachment or something else that is disguising itself as a sexual need potentially. Is that, is that, tell me, tell me how you're feeling about that. Does that make sense? Is that where it you're at? It makes sense. I want to kind of take it a step further and say, I, I I'm going to say that needs aren't necessarily healthy or unhealthy by just, there isn't such a thing as a healthy or an unhealthy need, but there is the strategies which we use to meet those needs are healthy or or can be classified as unhealthy, unhealthy, or serves or doesn't serve or adjusted and and maladjusted. So I wouldn't necessarily say that there's an unhealthy need. It's just how we go about meeting those needs. And in fact, when you were saying that, what came up for me is that's amazing. If you know, if you have an understanding of your um, erotic energy through these blueprints and you then have an understanding of, oh, I have a, this is the, how I am, you know, I, um, you know, my blueprint suggests that maybe taboo is how I am validated. Then you can say, you can look at your life and your choices and say, am I, what I, what, am I doing anything in my life that is seeking to, um, challenge this idea of taboos? And if I am, are those the right decisions, right? Am I, am I going and doing things that are class, you know, can be classed as unhealthy or, I know that about myself now. I know that taboo is something that turns me on. It's a way that I feel validated. Now, can I? What would be a healthy strategy um, that I can that I can come up with and you know create, be creative um, to meet that need? And then you can also it might give you an insight into like some of the maladaptive, some of the not necessarily healthy ways of meeting that, right? So maybe. I don't know with taboo, I can see like, you know, if you're doing things that feel taboo that, that aren't necessarily like, they're also happen to be illegal, for example. I don't really, I'm not very good at giving an example right now. There's a, like the taboo, um, and not respecting other people's boundaries. Uh Uh-huh. Perfect. You know, like, like there's, I've had friends where we're at like a sex coaching convention and we're in the elevator and I have like a choker on and we're on our way to like the sexy party. And I'm feeling like, oh God, anyone that enters this, this space that has not consented, I'm violating their consent. And then my friend next to me being like, who cares about other people's consent? Like we're having a great time. And that's, that's where I think that like the need to like experience a taboo, but not 
checking in with everyone's like doing it in public and the public not agreeing to you walking your person around like a dog with a collar on mm-hmm. uh, is, is a thing. Right, right, right. No, exactly. I, I love that. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to say, right? If you consent, we go back, always oh, go back to the you know, consent, um, <laughs> yeah. making sure that everyone's consenting and, and that you understand what you, like you understand these drivers and motivations that you might be um, unconscious to. Right. And I think what I'm, what, the more I, we talk about this, the more I'm realizing. And I also totally like this idea of a blueprint now makes sense. Right. Cause, and then once you understand your blueprint, then it's something to build upon. You know, mm-hmm. it's like a, yeah. it's like a, a map. Um, I, I do something called five rhythms, which is a moving meditation practice. I talk about it. Five rhythms. Yeah, yeah. I talk about it a lot um, on the podcast. Five rhythms has a, has what they call maps. So similar idea. It kind of breaks the, the five rhythms then create a map and these like five pathways that also give you insight into, you know, what turns you on and what um, shuts you down. What are your blocks? What are your, you know, so it's, um, it, I like anything like, allows um for self-reflection and and not only self-reflection that i get to know myself but also self also reflection that allows me to get to know other people mm-hmm. and i'm like oh I, I show up like this and i can see maybe this person shows up this way this way and this way and then you can be like how do we collaborate how do we then make it all happen then it feels delicious and warm and and sexy and hot for everyone mm-hmm. and what i heard you saying too jesse which i love is not only how do we collaborate in the, in the, and I'm using air quotes in the bedroom, right? And Effie and I try to do a lot of work around pushing back on that language yeah. because it's like it really a lot of times it's not happening in the bedroom, right? But to, to that actual end, that really it begins before that. So oh, yeah. leveraging the example that I shared around wanting connection, that that could have started, you know, hours earlier where we would have cuddled on the couch or we would have taken a walk and held hands, some other way of connection so that when we got to the space where we're going to be sexual, then that need, need was met. And then I could, you know, explore another level of it because I wasn't trying to meet that need in that space. Yes. And so I think that's going to be one of my takeaways from this conversation is being thoughtful around what are the needs that need to be met to feel good in that space? And can they be met in advance of entering into that space or as a part of it, an elongated kind of part of it, but not necessarily at the moment of taking clothes off? Right. And can they just be expressed so that your partner also knows that that's something very important to you? That's a key ingredient to you being fully turned on, fully in the moment, open to receiving and giving. When I think when a when you understand each other's needs, that's when you're able to go, okay, like I can, I can be here for a little bit longer and, and like meet you in that way because I know it's really important to you. If I want to have hot, juicy sex. Right. I'm going to do this thing. Right. Yeah. I'm going to massage your back. <laughs> I'm going to give you a hand massage even because I know that's going to be. The thing. Yeah. Right. The, the, um, Effie, that part about getting your needs met in like a backwards way is what I was talking about with the toxic relationships is Mm -hmm. I craved like this, like, oh no, like you shouldn't be sleeping with them. They're bad for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And that mm -hmm. meeting a lot of my psychological kink of like, okay, well, I'll just text them and we'll see if they respond. And that intense adrenaline rush that comes from like the catch, the release, the um, like, Mm -hmm. this is taboo, like, oh, now I'm going to hang out with them and we're not going to talk about having sex, but the whole time I'm going to be mentally seducing you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That (laughs) all was me operating in my blueprint, not knowing what the hell I was doing, Mm -hmm. but knowing that it was super hot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so now I work with clients that are like, yeah, I'm attracted to like 
people that are married or I'm attracted to the people that are off limits or um, they're seeking that taboo factor and the waiting, longing and anticipation in a way that they don't really, they're not conscious about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we work together to make sure that they're, they're getting those things met before. Right. And the need is healthy, but the strategy is not. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> they have a better strategy to meet that need. That yes. makes a lot of sense. So let me go back to yeah. the question because we started talking about what to do with the mismatch. I'm interested in, you talked about different phases of relationships. When we get past the NRE phase, which at some point the three of us are going to work together to create the potion so that phase <laughs> Okay. I'm yeah. committed okay. to that. Um, but yeah. what, right now, until that moment comes, when that phase ends, are there strategies around how to spice more things up or how to then create more pleasure-rooted experiences with a partner after NRE? Of course. There are so many practices. One of the practices that I really like is, which I don't mean to like take away all the spice and sizzle of of this topic, but like planning time together. Mm-hmm. Um, I prioritizing time. <laughs> prioritizing pleasure is huge. Like especially yeah. for all the overachievers, prioritizing time together is the biggest part. And then you get to add to all of that. So when you say, like for instance, in in my calendar, every Monday is a day where I am supposed to be like leaning into pleasure throughout the day, and then I have a very specific window of time like from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., where I'm just supposed to surrender to whatever shows up in the moment that looks like pleasure, Mm. whatever that is. If that's soaking my feet in hot water, if that's like cleaning my house so that I feel more uh, like relaxed in my house, um, if that's taking a shower, it's it's it it can be anything, whatever Mm -hmm. shows up. So I think adding these little bits of um, like having the spontaneity window in there of there's no expectations. We're just showing up, but you can also add one of my favorite little hacks is an adventure date. So an adventure date has three different uh, components to it. It has mystery, it has novelty or naughtiness, and it has obstacle. So the mystery would be like, Hey babe, I'm gonna this Monday night. Like I know that we have the spontaneity window. Like, don't worry. I have everything covered. You just need to show up hungry and like relaxed. So if you hear that, you get to go, Oh shit, I need to be relaxed. Okay. What do I need to do to be relaxed in order to show Mm -hmm. up for this? The obstacle part is like, how can you make this less, uh, how can you draw out the satisfaction and create a little bit of uh, a challenge? Mm-hmm. So I've done that with like giving people little love letters or for people in quarantine, if you're like, we have nowhere to go, I put a blindfold on them mm-hmm. and I'll say like, okay, I'm going to lead you to this room. And that, that obstacle creates the like, whoa, what's happening? This is fun. This is different. Mm-hmm. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the the newness or the the naughtiness can be whatever you want to add in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anything that you've been like, we've wanted to try this for a long time. Or you know how we've been talking about giving each other like hot oil massages for a while, or we've been wanting to try bondage. Like those are the things that you can bring into the, the newness. And those, those three elements are what we seek in NRE. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's when we're on first dates, when, when the adrenaline is high and then when the oxytocin and the dopamine kick in and, and there's uncertainty going on, that's, fulfilled by mystery, obstacle, and novelty or naughtiness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So practicing that in long-term relationships is super helpful and religious, like regularly. Mm-hmm, yeah. often, at least once a month, if not twice a month, where people are alternating giving. 
Mm. I love, I love it. that. I'm going to try this. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I love I'm that. absolutely going to do it. I, I'll report back. I, yeah. I harp on about date nights, but just giving that kind of like, here's the thing. I do think that a big part of, um, maintaining a healthy thriving relationship is creativity like oh, yeah. i can't we talk i mean I, I talk about it all the time like creating problem solving being creative um which which to some people it comes more naturally and for other people it's you know it's not as it's not as easy and it's not as na- it doesn't come as naturally and a lot of what we do here at curious fox is is the, the the inspiration and permission part of it the inspiration part of it is that is to get people's get give people inspiration to be creative to come up with their own ways of of really figuring these things out out, you know, um, because, you know, if we've done a, you know, we've just done a, um, with Stella Harris, we've done a masturbation workshop, right? So it's like, okay, now the idea is that, do you want to like take this evening and m- do mutual masturbation, right? It's, this, is, this is your inspiration. We just given you inspiration and information. And by the way, we just sat through the whole thing as a community. So permission. Um, so please like take the time now, um, and take this evening. You're here anyway, you're all primed and then just be getting, getting, <laughs> Get, you know, just get, you know, get involved with some mutual masturbation, right? So it's it's you know it's it, this is the idea, and and date nights is another one. There's like you have to have date nights. Well, you know, I I tell these people all the time, put it in your calendar, like stick to it, like you stick to you know your kids' soccer practice, right? You have to stick to this time. Um, and what you've just said, the in, the the sort of uh, the structure of what you can do with that date night, I think is so valuable. Absolutely, it's so much better than going to like the Italian restaurant that you, you always go to yeah. and like. You know, you eating eat too many carbs. On yeah. the and then you feel bloated and you want to have sex at that point. We did a podcast episode and had um, a workshop with Steve Dean, who is an expert on dating. And one of the things oh, that he fun. did through the, through, through the experience, through the workshop, which was great, was helping people. First, he asked people to think about ways in which they experience self-care. And so people talked about cooking delicious meals for themselves or engaging in positive self-talk or reading really excellent books and things like that. And he said, fantastic. And they made these whole lists about how people take care of themselves. And he said, now turn those things into dates. Mm. How would you take the ways in which you give yourself pleasure and create a date experience? He's like, take three of those things and put them together. And now you've created a date experience for someone else. And so what I hear is let's first focus on what it is that we want to make sure that we're meeting our needs. Let's use that information to then understand our partners and what they need and, and to collaborate on an evening around that. And then let's create a little bit of anticipation and excitement and naughtiness and some fun and replicate Mm -hmm. some of that NRE. Yeah. Um, you've talked a little bit about your, some of the work that you've done with clients. I'm wondering if you can share out kind of some of, you know, maybe a before and after an experience that you had with somebody that you really helped them step into their sexual empowerment and you, and you saw that reflected in their life. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I have one just, sh- yeah, one really amazing client that has given me uh, permission to share this. So there's that consent. Uh, this person was freshly out of a divorce and that divorce was not the healthiest. Um, and they had been sexless for over 17 years. And she had been having sex with herself, but never said anything to her partner. And so from uh, emerging into this new singlehood, she was terrified. Uh, She was like, I don't know how to express to people what it is that I want. I don't know how to date people. Like how Mm -hmm. terrifying does that sound? I'm scared that people are going to reject me for what it is that I want. 
Uh, so we worked together and it was incredible. I did one session. Uh, I usually work with people over the span of like four to six months because I really want to get you to your goals and have that embodiment last. So one of the sessions that we did uh, is a discovery session where I I take over 40 sensations that are all categorized into the different blueprints and I map out where the highest arousal is on your body. Mm-hmm. And part of her highest arousal was on her kneecaps. And I took a metal spoon that was warm and traced her kneecaps. And the first reaction was I said, okay, scale of one to five, how pleasurable is this? Because that's I'm using like effective communication and like getting the feedback. And she goes, oh, it's a four. It's a four and a half. A four and a half is like almost to orgasm. And my immediate reaction is like, because I'm the sex nerd, I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. (laughs) And her immediate reaction is how weird am I? Mm -hmm. Her immediate reaction is like, whoa, what is wrong with me? Mm -hmm. So in that moment, I get to show up and go, or... Like I get to change the story in the script. Like how amazing is it that you get to be dating someone and when you like them and you feel safe with them and you're out to dinner, like you get to go, hey, by the way, so my kneecaps are this special place. Yeah, it's like a superpower. Anyone about. Yeah, this is my superpower. I Mm -hmm. love tapping into and finding other people's erotic superpowers because Mm -hmm. sometimes we don't know that our ankles, our knees, our the space, like that person also preferred lots of space like Mm -hmm. 16 feet of space to begin like erotic uh, approach. And so Mm -hmm. knowing these things, knowing that that's just how I'm wired Mm -hmm. and that's just how she's wired allowed her to really own that. She also had many desires to be in multiple relationships. And she was like, who am I to be in a multiple, like multiple relationships with many different partners. Uh, And so being able to see her now where she has, I think over three partners, who are mm-hmm. all satisfying her in the kinkiest of ways, in the sexiest of ways, like showing up for her and m- allowing her to have these experiences where she's talking about what, what it is that she wants firsthand. Uh, she's able to not have any shame about it. She's owning it. And therefore, she's experiencing erotic breakthrough after erotic breakthrough because mm-hmm. she's owning her pleasure. And these these people are saying, fuck yes. Like, you're talking to me about it up front. And I'm mm-hmm. down. Let's do this. So hearing her stories has been like my favorite uh, testimonial part because she's frolicking now where before she was completely scared. Yeah. So wow. that's amazing. Yeah. You were able to transform shame in, into curiosity as, as opposed yeah. to really seeing yourself. Yeah. Good exactly. for you. Yeah. Exactly. I love that story. So fun. And I think also just you sharing the people that she's, she's, uh, playing with their response is this like positive like mm-hmm. thank you for telling me yes. so I think it's also important I think what gets in the way sometimes is that you you're more worried about what reaction are you going to get yeah you know? um I, I, when I start um playing with somebody for sort of early on um I you know once we sort of cuddle and spend some time like skin on skin um I ask them I say would you like me to tell you a little bit about my body and <gasps> it, I love it, that. it yeah <laughs> and and He's like, yeah. And, um, and they, you know, depending, you know, who they are and what kind of background they come in, um, you know, if they're coming from, you know, a sex positive community, they're like, yes, please, you know, tell me all. And then if they're not, it, it, there's definitely a pause of like, oh, like what's about to come, you know, what, what am I getting myself into? Or (laughs) they might not be used to, um, talking, be, not feel, talking about it. Yeah, yeah. Not, not be comfortable by just like about the topic. Uh, yeah. By the time I'm done, um, I the 
ubiquitously I get a thank you it's, it's always like thank you thank you so much yeah. this is amazing I you know yeah. and, and it's I've never had anybody like get up and leave mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. um, so if you can get that I mean I just you know personal experience if you can get that if you're able to explain um, your desire and make requests talk about your needs and give people tips and clues and, and instructions on how to meet those needs you're there they're happy about it yeah that's that's that is the part that I hear most people reach out to me is they go, oh God, I, I, what do I need? I have no idea. What do I, I have no idea what I want. I, uh, like when, if you were to ask someone, um, tell me about what your body likes and they completely freeze up because they don't know, that's when I would just encourage you to reach out for support. There are so many people that can help you. I would love to help anyone in that position because- it's just a, a an education. It's just a discovery process. And you're not alone in that. I hear so many people that don't know how to name their desires or what it is that they like. Or you could be like me where you're like, this is a script of what my desire is. And actually, it's just making you completely unorgasmic because you're following something that's not true. Absolutely. And we spend years and thousands of dollars learning about other subjects, learning about other people, <laughs> yeah. learning about other t- and and really spend very little time learning about ourselves. Sure. And and really, especially the, a pleasure, yeah. Not just about yeah. And about spend pleasure. again years and thousands of dollars trying to seek out happiness and joy and pleasure without necessarily taking that time to, to do that work on ourselves. And so, again, you know, on, on June twenty fourth, Effie and I are going to be tapping into know thyself, and and we're going to be doing that work with you on June tenth around the blueprint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really, it's 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 like the most annoying answer when people are like, "Well, what do we do first? And they're like, "Spend time with yourself and get to know yourself." You're like, "No, I want to skip that part and just get to the." <laughs> But that's really, it really does start there. It really it does start there. Myself. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, and if you want to learn more about the erotic blueprint and how to gain a deeper understanding into your pleasure, do join us on Wednesday, June 10th, where Jessie will be joining us at the Virtual Curiosity Salon. She'll be teaching you all about your own erotic, erotic blueprints, needs and desires, as well as any lovers you'll encounter. Whether you're single or you're single and craving satisfaction together and feeling alone or unfed or hot and taking it to the next level. This workshop is sure to teach you something orgasmic. Erotic blueprints may be the foundation to greater understanding, therefore greater sexual satisfaction and eventually pleasure mastery. And there's going to be a live demo in that class where I am taking another person teaching you everything that I just shared and showing you how to read their arousal in their body. So I basically get this person turned on to an orgasmic state. Oh and my God. That I give you. It's super duper fun. Very Love, juicy. Live demos. Yeah. Yeah. Live demos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wish you could see Evie right now. <laughs> I wish the world could see how excited. Yes, live demos. Yes. I mean, my. My roommate that is quarant- in quarantine with me, who is single, is like, fuck yes for live demo. <laughs> it is the, it's the main touch that she's getting. So Absolutely. I'm, yeah, it's so fun. I can't wait. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Um, and, and, and if you cannot wait, just like we are, tickets are available <laughs> on our Facebook page, also in our Instagram bio, also on our website by searching We Are Curious Foxes. And it's wearecuriousfoxes.com, our website. Um, and you can find um, tickets for Jesse's workshop and, and many others coming up um, over, the, over the next uh, few weeks. Um, we are taking over Wednesdays. We are redefining hump day. Um, and we are encouraging you 
you and providing you programming for inspiration and permission to really take that day to learn, um, to be inspired, to play, to get in touch with yourself, to connect with your partner or partners, um, reclaim hump days, come and learn with us, come and connect with us, come and play with us. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about date nights, right? Make Wednesday night date night for yourself or for you and your partner or partners show up on Wednesday. You know that something amazing is going to happen. We're going to have a workshop on erotic blueprints. We're going to have stuff on attachment styles. We're going to have stuff on masturbation. We're going to have stuff on knowing yourself. We're going to have, we're going to have something really fun and engaging and interesting that you will have implementable takeaways. You will walk away from that session. You will close your zoom and close your computer and be able to do something different as a result of it. Mm -hmm. And so if you can join us on June 10th, be sure to, to get tickets. If you can't join us, or if you are listening in the future, if you are listening on June 11th to this podcast episode and are distraught because you have missed this, there is no worry because you can find us on Patreon. And if you are a patron of ours and anywhere from $5 to $12 a month, if you uh, contribute and support this community, you will get access to all of the workshops that we have facilitated, both live and virtual. We have videos that are all there that are accessible to our patrons. Um, so you can, you can watch it if you've missed it. And you have the ability to get free tickets for yourself and for guests to future events. You can do ask me anything sessions with, with Effie, where you get to tap into her uh, relationship expertise, coaching skill sets. Um, and there are a lot of other goodies and, and, and exclusive events for patrons. So go on to Patreon. You can find it there at We Are Curious Foxes. You can find us on social media and Instagram and Facebook at We Are Curious Foxes. If you want to learn more about Jessie Fresh, you can visit her at her website at jessiefresh.com or follow her at Instagram at jessiefreshthecoach. We talked about Patreon. The other way in which you can support this community is by liking, reviewing, and sharing this podcast. It does make a difference. Our goal, as Effie said, is to hashtag change the noise and to really create spaces that you can, places where you can hear, where you can watch, where you can attend, where you can read, so that all of these things that have created shame that hold us back from our deep pleasure, that we can replace those stories with stories of inspiration and possibility of what else is actually out there and lean into our curiosity. And so please like and share and review the podcast. If you have any questions that you would like us to explore or themes for the podcast, you can email us at listening at wearecuriousfoxes.com or you can leave us a voice message and we can play your question or your story on the air and address it at 201-870-0063. And so we'll make sure to include all of this information in the show notes. And we hope that you get to join us on June 10th for more Jesse, more of the blueprints, more pleasure, just more of more. Uh, Thank you so much, Jesse, for joining us, sharing your wisdom, sharing your thoughts. Uh, We can't wait till Wednesday. And uh, until until the next episode, stay curious, friends. Stay curious. Curious Fox podcast is not and will never be the final word on any topic. We solely aim to encourage curiosity and provide a space for exploration through connection and story. We encourage you to listen with an open and curious mind and we'll look forward to your feedback. Stay curious, friends. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious.